Hello and welcome back to Chapter Chumps. We're your chumps here to talk some chapters. Today we are going to be discussing chapters 7 and 8 of The Two Towers. Um, and uh, I just I read all of it today, guys. <laughs> I, you read all you know, of it in like just, the last five minutes. I did, I did, which is yeah. uh, dumb. It's not like I keep warning you to read ahead of time. I know, I know, but uh, but you know, I, it's it's all fresh in my mind, so I'm excited to get into it uh, with you guys and talk about it. Um, we here at Chapter Chumps, a reading podcast. We read books, we break them down, we talk about it, but it's not high art, you know? It's in the name, you know? It's like, we're just three chumps, uh, you know, kind of just sharing our thoughts, you know? That's our thing. Um, we're going to give our names today. to another. <laughs> we're going to give our names today, because I feel like it. I was so just we're thinking gonna do that. that we should do that, because, like, what if people... I was literally just thinking that when you introed tonight because like yeah if people are like who the fuck is talking you know it's like, yeah right it's possible they, they don't me. recognize our voices yet it is very possible um, so i'll start off my name is connor kelly i uh i am the host of the show um uh next up on the list is my my uh silly little co-host uh connor mack Oh, hey guys, I'm Connor McElvey. Golly gee, it's me. Does sound like that? He does just sound like that. Yeah, I know, pretty cool. And uh, next up, we have our um, uh, Professor Planet himself, Josh O'Connor. <laughs> God, that's a name I haven't heard in years. <laughs> now that's a name I haven't heard. In a long time. The few times I open Facebook, I'll see like a name from someone I knew in high school. It's like, oh, it's so and so's birthday, and that line goes through my head every time. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, okay, but you know, really guys, you know, there there is such a thing as um you know, decorum and and of uh, an, an establishment of routine. And of course we like to have fun here at Chapter Chumps, but um, you know, if we're going to introduce ourselves, let's do it right. I am Connor Kelly. I I am Connor Kelly. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> I am Connor Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, there, Spartacus. <laughs> I am Wadib. <laughs> I I am the host and ruler. Of this podcast, I'm Squidward, and there we have it. I think this we're done with introductions. The crusty crab. <laughs> I think we're done with intro. We've we have done what we set out to do. We were yeah. like, let's give our names, and we did it. So let's move on. Everyone um, knows exactly who is. <laughs> this, who is was, this was a useful and worthwhile exercise that we did. Yeah, here. I think so. So, uh, rats off to you. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, I'm Connor, and that's Connor. I the am one, Connor, yeah. That is that's him. <laughs> and then Josh is here. Hello. There we go. See, now we did it. Well and truly, it's done. Let's talk about Lord of the Rings. More specifically, let's talk about the Two Towers, and more specifically, let's start with Chapter 7. It's Helm's Deep. Helm's Deep, guys. That means balls deep in Old English. <laughs> yeah, so I let's get... that, but I should, absolutely <laughs> should have. Let's get Helm's Deep into this chapter discussion. Let's do it. Um, Connor, ha- have you heard of Helm's Deep before? Like, does that sound familiar? Oh yeah, I mean, I just I told you that's that was the, <laughs> that's the origin of it. That's how I that's how I recognized it. All right, cool. Well, we don't need to harp on that. I'm gonna go into the into the the, uh, the chapter uh, summary here. So, um, where we last left off, uh, you know, Gandalf, um kind of like broke broke the spell of Wormtongue over Theoden, the king of Edoras, ruler of the Rohirrim, the horse Which riders think, of the Vale. Right, so he's the king of Rohan. Yeah, yes, he is. And I guess I'm thinking Edoras because I think that's the, the city specifically that uh, he, he yes. was in. Or town. Yeah. It feels. I think it's more like a town or like a village. I mean, it's the it's the site of the king. I mean, doesn't it feel like there should be a bit more? Yeah, but it, they're also establishment like establishment to it. That that's what that's what's weird about this because I do remember a bit of this from the movie, and I feel like this is more of like the, the Rohan are more of not quite nomadic, and and whatever this place is called, that arena or whatever. Um, is like where they settled down, but it's not yet like uh, Minas Tirith or uh, fuck what was the place from The Hobbit um, that Smog destroyed. Not not Lake Town, the other one. Um, uh, the Dale wasn't it? Dale, like Dale, right? Yeah. Um, so it's 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 less established of a of a settlement, and I. I I don't remember much about how it appeared in the movie, but it did feel like, oh, it's just like a few cottages and like a big, uh, 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 like not castle, but great hall, I think is what it's even called in this book. Yeah. And then they go to, then they go to, uh, Helm's Deep and it's like a fortress built into the side of a, of a canyon. It's like very different, uh, it takes. I feel like it takes two different kinds of cultures to make that. But yeah, but the Rohirrim apparently have both. So good for them. Sort of, because I think, I think they mentioned that Helm's Deep comes from like the old people of Gondor. Like we keep hearing about Gondor and the the kings who like came from across the sea, which is you know. Aragorn's uh, descendancy and uh, ancestry. Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> Mr. Drinking from the Mr. Drinking straight from the bottle tonight. 
Uh, well, what's the point? There's not that much in here. So if I'm going to finish it, then why... There was more when you started. Waste the glass. There was <laughs> more when we started recording, or before we started Also, it's, it's white wine. It is, yes. <laughs> it, it is exactly Straight from the bottle. That. Yeah, well, it's all I have tonight. After I drink this, there will Where's be no more alcohol. Where's your pint of Ben and Jerry's? I, uh... You know, there actually probably is a, a half pint. In the uh, in the old freezer there. Maybe I'll get to that after. In what rom? Watch out for that freezer watching? man though. I'm just gonna go into Golden Girls. Actually, it's not a rom com. It's not. It's not. No, I'm I'm taking it elsewhere. Wow! Straight into your golden years. You don't need a man. Yes. Nothing's gonna stop me. Just you and your Golden Girls. Yep. Uh. Anyways, so Helm's Deep I think is like uh, ancient and not. Not really having to do with the people of Rohan. They just, like, live near it now, you know? But it's probably very old. Um, okay. It's definitely yeah, very I, I old. believe that. They talk about that. Um, I believe that. Anyways, so, yeah, so this chapter... Uh, Gandalf, Aragorn, Legolas, Theoden, Aemir, and a uh, host of about a thousand riders... Um, Make their which, way to which, which goes against my entire argument that this this town is like a village. There's like a thousand able-bodied men to ride. Oh yeah, that is true. I mean, and I'm not just pulling that number out of my ass. They definitely do. No, say they, they say a thousand. thousand. No, you're right. I just completely forgot about that while I was making my argument five minutes ago. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I, and well, maybe a good reminder, like, you know, sometimes it's easy to conflate, like, what the movie shows us with the book. And it's like, well, you can't take what the movie shows you at face value always because it's an interpretation of the text. It's not the text itself. Right. Yeah. But, uh, and and a part of it may have been me misremembering the movie and also remembering the entire Irish countryside I just spent a week in, like, a month <laughs> ago, and how sparsely populated that was. So. There's so many wires crossing. It's like, how can you oh, yeah. sort it all well, out? Welcome, welcome to my brain where everything is crossed. <laughs> um, that'll be fun to leads, go over for a movie all, discussion, though. It all leads back to The Simpsons. <laughs> of course it does. Yeah, that's that's like the one. That, that's how my brain. That's how my brain works. Everything is crossed. It all leads back to the Simpsons. That's that's like the uh, the master switch. If that ever went off, everything else is lost. <laughs> yep. Okay, so they're going to Helm's Deep. Um, this is on Gandalf's, I mean, orders, it, on his council. This is on Gandalf's council that Theoden has agreed to do this. Um, and they're meeting up with, like, other people from Rohan and also from, like, another place, the Westfold, which, as I was reading, I was like, I've never heard of this. I don't know why we're talking yeah. about this now. I too think, much going on. I think it's just like that's one of the things yeah, I was going to talk new, about. It's a lot of new names. Yeah, there there are like several things in this chapter actually that I feel like Tolkien just starts saying, and I'm like, you've never said this before. Yeah. You know, like I, where's so, this coming okay. from? So I did I did look at the map, and um, I think Westfold is just like the western regions of Rohan. It's it's labeled here. It's like. It's like northwest of, of Helm's Deep, near the Gap of Rohan, right? Uh, and the the Fords of Eisen. So right. they and that's 
That is kind of what I took it as, but here's the other thing. There's, a, there's also an east fold. I'm pretty sure that this this guy that, again, okay, we're saying that things are like abruptly, jarringly introduced here. There's this guy, Erkenbrand, who yep. has brought up several times, and I'm pretty sure he's mentioned as like a king as well. Like, I thought he was like a general. Is he? That's the impression I got, because then he shows up at the end of the of the battle with his people. And it's it's like a he's like a warrior, not a king. Oh, you might be right. Oh, but you, you know why I think I'm like confusing this now, too. But I'm I want to say that Erkenbrand was referred to as like the Lord of Westfold. And so I guess oh, like if. If uh, Theoden is the king, then, like, within that kingdom, like, you would have, like, lords, you know, kind of overseeing different areas of, of Rohan. And I think maybe yep. Urkenbrand is, like, kind of that. That That's probably what it is, yes. Okay. Look at a silly American just trying to figure out a monarch, monarchy. A mon- fuck. A monarchy system. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I get. I literally think I read the word Lord and I was like, oh, is this guy a king too? And it's like, no, that's not necessarily what that is, is it? Right. Probably means more like a duke or a uh, lord of a land. Right. A uh, landlord. Yes. Look at us. Look at us. Perkin Brand is canceled. It's over He's not me. giving back to our security deposit. <laughs> Um, anyways so I don't I don't mean to be dragging my feet about all this shit that doesn't really matter Helm's fucking deep this is the chapter where they get to this like huge fucking fortress built into the goddamn rock to fight off like the horde of Saruman and it's a long drawn out seemingly hopeless fight that um you know they they continue to rage on until the bitter end and they hold on to hope and as dawn breaks and uh gandalf and the other host of riders that um you know he he went to drum up to to bring them here they all arrive at this you know this climactic uh moment where it's like life or death do or die and you know uh our, our our heroes win the day and are victorious at Helm's Deep, and and the orcs are defeated. So that's what we got here. There's gonna be some more shit to talk about, but uh, what do we? What are our general thoughts on this chapter? What did you think, Connor? Do you want to start us off? Yeah, I mean, it was like fun and interesting, but um, probably the most confusing chapter so far for me, just with everything going on, and then. Uh, I don't know like the the resolution was like kind of crazy and didn't really make a lot of sense to me but that could have just been me not you know paying attention uh, but I, I I really did feel like it was like a, just a bunch of things thrown at the wall and uh, yeah I mean it, I, I was just kind of rolling with it you know what about and by the way I'm I think I'm pretty much on the same page as you actually because I also have a note here talking about the ending of the fight and feeling like um, my note is that it ends vaguely 
and it's somewhat anticlimactic. Like that's how I felt. Yeah. I was wondering, uh, do you have any more to like say about how this chapter wraps up that like made you feel that way? Um. Well, I mean, you kind of us like the the orcs, you know, are are so vicious and unrelenting. And then, like, a bunch of magic happens, and then they just piss themselves and run away, you know? It's like... Yeah. That's kind of... I was just like, what? I thought these guys were, like, brutal, and, like, really, we're going to, like, destroy all of you, but we, we see some lightning or some fireworks, and they're all fucking scared. Like, yeah. I, I mean... Yeah. They were just saying they don't, they're not afraid of the sun, and then Gandalf, like, comes over the, the mountaintop. He's like, oh, really? Look, there's some trees behind you, and they're spooked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, I mean... That was like a, a little bit um, confusing to me, um, but I, I mean they they do talk about it a little bit more in the next chapter, just about uh, it's like what happened, what happened, yeah, or who did it, or what you know. I mean it's not resolved really. It's it's just uh, yeah. I mean it was kind of shocking and not in like a good way, I guess. But the whole chapter was like really like fast paced and like chaotic so um so yeah i mean like it wasn't like whiplash tonally in, in within the chapter um but uh the chapter itself was fun like i i i, I especially like um you know legolas and uh gimli's you know competition right they that, that's the mm-hmm. competition they have where yep. they um uh you know are are counting kills counting that's, that, yeah, that's a fun thing, um, and yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's, oh, and then Aragorn has a good moment, right? Or is that next chapter? I forget. Um, I guess it depends what moment you're, yeah. you're yeah, talking to, but talking I, I think he has some good moments yeah. in this chapter. He has yeah, good mo- he has good moments. He has um, good moments. You know, er- moments. there's some great Aragorn moments yeah, in there. I, you know, I mean, so, so yeah. not all is lost, and uh, it sure beats a putts around the woods chapter. So I was happy but confused. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for expanding on that a little bit more. Um, I think you're gonna find as we go over this chapter, I, I'm I'm pretty on board with that. Um, Josh, what do you make of all this? Is there anything you wanna to start with, or just share your thoughts in general? Um. Well, like both of you, I I found the chapter very fast paced and it was hard to keep up with all the new names and new stuff that was happening. It honestly right. felt like, yeah, like, yeah, they were, it, they were writing out to go, I don't know, meet up with the, the scouts and, and then mop up the, the orcs. And then it's like, Gandalf stops. They, they come across a scout and he's like, uh, we got wiped out and they're like, Oh shit, I guess, well, we don't want to, we, we didn't come here to just turn around, so I guess we'll just go to Helm's Deep, and then it's like, oh, but the orcs are following us now, and oh my god, there's a million of them. So it right. felt like a really quick turn about that. And then Gandalf mm. fucks off before they even get to Helm's Deep, because he's Gandalf. And... <laughs> yeah. And they get to Helm's Deep, and it's just all this new stuff that we're, we're learning about Helm's Deep and uh, what it's like. And then all of a sudden, it's the battle, and the battle's great. Um, it I, it's like Hunter said it like 
the orcs are unrelenting. It's the the stakes are harrowing, and it's like they're already like running low on arrows when they when the battle starts. Um, and then like you see the parts where like the that you remember from the movie where like the the battering rams come in and then the they blow up the wall and shit like that. And then yeah, at the end, it's just it it resolves itself quicker than you'd expect. And they do talk about like yeah, when the dawn comes, it's gonna uh, men. Dawn is what brings men hope, and the orcs are then at one point. Aragorn's talking to the orcs uh, from the wall, and they're like, "We don't fear the sun because we're the fighting Urukai." Um, I think that's the Aragorn moment I was thinking of. Um, yeah. Okay. But uh, but yeah, then the sun comes, and they're like, "Oh, it's too bright." Uh, but well, no, it was, it was the. Gandalf turns no, out know, went and found found this other army, and it's like, oh, new army! Like, let's let's go in and the, route the orcs. And there's this, this these trees that just swallow the orcs. Uh, I think I, I I thought of this right as Connor was talking, but I think the orcs falling apart might have to do more with like mob mentality than anything else, because all of a sudden they they've spent the whole night just winning and all of a sudden there's this weird commotion from the back that nobody knows about and then there's this new army that comes up and there's just no communication and so they that's what starts the fear and then it just gets out of control because the mob is just like dispersing and the the new fresh soldiers are are starting to tear them apart and then they're just disappearing and nobody knows what's happening yeah but it all happened so quickly. I didn't pick up on that until literally five minutes ago, <laughs> like two full days after I read. So. Sorry, Josh, you don't have to brag. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's a, it. It does happen fast, and I get what you're saying about um, you know how how the orcs as a whole can be so affected by this moment um but i guess since we're talking about the ending like i thought (sighs) i don't even know where to start here so one of the things i was thinking about was like um we have theoden as the king of rohan and then we have aragorn who you know himself is not a king but is is kind of like positioned to be king that's kind of like part of his deal you know he just and um (laughs) it's right and one thing i liked about the battle and like the relationship between theoden and aragorn in that regard is um you know theoden's older and I think he's a lot qu- more quick to uh, feeling defeated, you know, and, and hopeless. Like, there's a point towards the end of the battle where, like, it's looking bad, and Aragorn meets up with Theoden to, like, share the news. And Theoden's like... And by the way, th- this this is going to lead back to the ending of the fight, and then we'll see where we go. But And Theoden's like... Uh, oh, well, you know, it seems like we're all going to die. And I don't want to just, like, die in this room as, like, a cowering old man. You know, I want to die with valor. And I want people to sing songs about me. So 
I'm gonna go get on my horse and I'm gonna ride into the horde of orcs, like presumably to my death. And then he goes, oh, Aragorn, would you like to come with me? And Aragorn's <laughs> like, yeah, totally, you know, let's do that. Um, and then just after that exchange, we get we get this like quick passage here. I just want to highlight, and then I am gonna get to the ending of the of the fight here. Sure. So in my copy, it's page. I've, I've given up on finding the page. I, I know, I know. I just say it for posterity's sake. On my copy, it's page one hundred forty-five. Um, so just after Aragorn says, I will ride with you, we get this quick passage. It says, taking his leave, he returned to the walls and passed around all their circuit and heartening the men and lending aid wherever the assault was hot. So I just felt like immediately we get like this juxtaposition here. And Theoden is like in his tower. He's not happy about it, but he is. He's in his tower hiding, essentially. And he's like, this fucking sucks. We're all going to die. I'm going to go ride out into, like, glorious defeat. And then Aragorn's like, okay, boots on the ground, meeting up with the actual soldiers, like, instilling them with encouragement and hope. And so, like, I was kind of confused at the end of the battle when uh, Theoden and Aragorn and the other riders, like, ride out. And then it's, like, completely successful. That's that's where I'm trying to get to at the end of this. Like, how does this tie into the ending? Like, it feels like Tolkien is writing this moment. Like, you know, all hope is lost. You know, it isn't really. Like, that's Aragorn's whole deal in the fight is he's like a champion yep. for hope, which is great. I love that about Aragorn. Yeah, that that's like, that's exactly that was what I was trying to say about Aragorn's moment. It it was yes. it was inspiring, and I really did appreciate that. So thanks for <laughs> reminding me. Yes, yes, and it, it is great that, like, because it can come off as cheesy, you know, as being yeah. the character who's like, everything's going to be yeah. fine, like, but Aragorn's great, you know, this is a really awesome uh, moment for him, and, like, he does it well, and he, he's, he, he really pulls his own and saves a lot of people and, and all that, and so, like, obviously, I didn't really think, like, Aragorn was going to die or anything, like, I know it's not really a suicide run, but it, it just felt like everything went, like, really well. Like, I'm just telling you, it just felt like the way that Theoden was framing how this was going to go. He's like, let's ride out in a glorious, you know, battle, and we'll all fucking die, and, you know, that's better yep. than just dying in a, t in a tower, right? But then they all ride out, and it's, like, awesome, <laughs> you know? Tolkien <laughs> describes it. They're, like, you know, shining with light, and all the orcs are cowering in fear, and they're slaying them left and right. And, like, I know it's not the only thing that happens. In this moment, we also get Gandalf's return, and he has the army. We also get the Ents. Like, yep. it's kind of this one big happy coincidence where it's, like, all these things converge at once. And, like, maybe that's the point. You know, like, this thing that was going to be hopeless ends up kind of like being the thing that that actually saves them in the end but as a reader I was like it just didn't feel like that's what this was building towards like it didn't feel like that was going to be the resolution in my mind so that's my thoughts on the ending of this that's kind of what what fell flat for me it, it felt like there was this this like disconnect this dissonance between like 
what every other character was saying. They're like, wow, this is really bad. And then like immediately they're like, nah, never mind. It's fine. And it's like, oh, because two yeah. seconds ago you said it was really bad and now it's fine. Like, yeah, that was jarring. You know, I, yeah, I think you nailed it with, with what, what that feeling was. It is, it is jarring in the text. So, Okay. Well, I mean, I, I guess we agree, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it was was odd. I, I felt like. Um, okay, so that's like the ending of the fight. I know we skipped ahead, but that that's where our conversation started. You know, um, minus five points from Tolkien. <laughs> Josh, I'm gonna assume you have some notes. Is there something specific I you want to talk about? Um. I mean, I, I could probably just go through them. I don't know if anything really jumps out at me as needing uh, particular attention right away. Um, at the beginning of the chapter, when they when Gandalf's still with them... Um, oh, we forgot to mention, there's like this malevolent shadow behind them when they ride out from Mordor. And Gandalf yeah. dropped back to where Legolas rode... Uh, and basically asks them, like, you have keen eyes. Can you see what they're, uh, uh, what, what, oh, towards Isengard. Okay, that's where he was looking. And then there was a, a very storm of Mordor from behind them. Yeah. But my note here was basically, like, this was just another iteration of what do your elf eyes see? Yes. And it, it's basically just a meme in the book. And I just thought that was a meme from the movie. Not like <laughs> it happened, like, it was just a line from the movie that got memed to death. But no, it's literally just like, People keep asking Legolas what he sees because he because they say he has elf eyes and they see better yeah. than everybody. And I think it's it like the fourth or fifth time I've had to point out like, oh, there's there's the what do you see, Legolas? Yeah, I mean, it does happen, you know, frequently enough. It feels to me like um, in D and D, you know, like the party is asking their one character who's like specialized in a specific thing to, to do like a perception yep. check, you know, it's like, okay, like a loss, it's, this is yep. your fucking deal. Like let's roll, you know? Yep. Exactly. Um, we get a new name for the orcs war corn. Um, I don't think they're called that specifically, but, uh, let's see. What, what was the line here? Then the orc screamed, waving spears and swords and shooting a cloud of arrows at, any that stood revealed upon the battlements and the men of the mark amazed looked out as it seemed to them upon the great field of dark corn tossed by a tempest of war and every ear glinted with barbed light yeah so I, I'm gonna call more corn <laughs> I like it wait are you saying orc corn like orc corn war war oh, w-a-r war <laughs> okay gotcha Let's see. Um, Connor earlier mentioned the uh, the rivalry between Gimli and Legolas throughout the battle. Again, that was something... This is one of the things that just got memed to death from the movies. And, like, I was reading this as like, oh, I remember this exact scene of Gimli saying two, and Legolas is like, I've gotten 20. Yeah. Um, and it's like, oh, this... I, neat, this is a moment from the book it's not something that was added in the movie like i thought it was so yeah i agree I, I don't know why i thought it was specific to the movie but it's just like oh i, I know the spot you know this part 
It does. I do think it feels like um, a kind of like a more modern moment in. It does. In what otherwise, you know, usually doesn't feel that way in, in Lord of the Rings, you know? Yeah. And it's it's sh- starting to show the, the budding friendship between the two of them um, more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see a lot more of it in the next chapter, which we can get into. But, um, yes. I mean, they were practically like typical dwarf versus elves. They hated each other. Um, and it's, it's honestly turning into the bromance of the book. That's my note in the next chapter is budding bromance. Yeah, I mean, especially since we, you know we've gotten no Frodo and Sam yet. Right, right. We're almost halfway through the book and we haven't even seen them. They've been mentioned like twice. So it's, yeah, that's that's very interesting. I uh, yeah, I that, still that, think that's that a Tolkien's pretty bold to, move. Yeah, it's like it's like being halfway through like. The, the Chamber of Secrets and Harry Potter's not even mentioned by name. <laughs> you know, then again, um, maybe not the best example, but no, no, but it, you know what it, what it made me think of um, one of the, oh yeah, it was when we were reading through the latter Hitchhiker's books and Zaphod's just not in them anymore. And oh, like, yeah, as first-time book readers, you know, Connor and I were kind of, like, always sort of waiting. Like, is he going to come back? And then, like, eventually you realize he just never is, and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, can <laughs> you do that? It feels a little right. bit like that. And then he shows up again in the last book, just, like, hung over. I was like, I guess I'm here, here again. <laughs> I, would love it. I would love it if uh, Frodo and Sam just never showed up again. That would be the funniest way to end this. <laughs> Look at everyone's right. the Marion Pippin show. It all it all happens off page. Like yeah. like the story Peter, still Peter, unfolds Peter, exactly yeah. you think about it, but they just don't show any you of just it. Hear about it from yeah. uh, you know Gandalf. Peter Jackson made all that shit up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it is pretty um, funny. Let's see. I have two more notes for this chapter. One of them was basically like asking like, are the trees answer or Gandalf? Uh, which in the very be- the next chapter, it's like they're asking the same questions. Like, all right, it, t- it turns out the ends. Okay, um, and then I just kind of speculated on maybe what was happening to the orcs, where like the trees are like almost like a portal to like going back to D and D references, like the Shadowfell or a Feywild like realm, and they were mm. just disappearing into shadows and mist. Um, yeah, just, that'd like, be interesting. Speculating there, I-, I don't think that's ever really going to be explained, but it's. Magic trees killed the orcs. Right. Or just dispose of them in some way. And then my last note here is about Aragorn on the uh, the wall. Uh, when the battle kind of dies down a little bit. So Aragorn stood above the great gates, heedless of the arrows for the enemy. Um, it says darts, but translating. Uh, as he looked forth, he saw the eastern grey grow pale. Um and blah blah blah. And he he hands up a he holds up an empty palm as a token of parlay, and the orcs start jeering at him and all that. And I summarized it in my note. It's like Tolkien saying Aragorn was so super royal and awesome that the orcs started to doubt themselves even as he stood alone on the fortress wall. And like that's what Tolkien's trying to say here, as far as I could understand it. My American brain was rejecting that notion and. All I could see was the fucking Frenchman from Monty Python and the Holy Grail, 
And <laughs> it's like Aragorn just standing over the orcs, like, go away, or I shall talk to you for a second time. Yeah. <laughs> because they should have lost the cow hope, at him. Fetch the vodka. As an American, I have very little uh, heed towards royalty, so. You weren't uh, swept up in the whole royal baby thing, uh, you know, just a handful of years ago? You weren't on the royal baby ride? Nope. Couldn't give less of a shit. Famous person had a baby. Whoop-de-doo. It's just, it's weird because, like, Connor's mentioned... I like how you froze up. <laughs> you know, you're, uh... You're expecting me to, to swoop in and save you there, huh? <laughs> yeah, I just... I don't know. Like, I, I just... I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's just completely true. All right. Yeah, 100%. We, we all know Josh fucked the queen, okay? Let's get over it. Let's be mature. And let's, let's we're move done on. with this bit. Let's, let's move on. Okay, um, well... <laughs> that wasn't are, the right move, buddy. We are moving on. <laughs> that was... That's not the right move. We are moving on. All right. That was not the right move. So okay. The, the next, so we're done with this chapter. Bit? Yeah, the next we're, chapter. We're done with it. it no, okay. no, no, no. Josh, you know the next was chapter. Just, I was not going to say anything. It was him. It was him that made me do it. So I didn't make you do anything. That was your choice. That was your own power there. Uh, anyways, we let's let's move on. And uh, Connor, you better not bring that up again. Okay. I'm done. I'm done. It's just you know I don't know the whole royalty thing. It's like okay. Um, so, uh, what was, I, I was going to say so. Oh, right. Okay. So Aragorn talking to the orcs, right? Mm-hmm. And it, so like you're saying, Josh, it describes him on top of the wall, the battlements or whatever. And like, you know, I, I was just like, as I'm reading this, uh, part in the book, you know, it's described as like this back and forth. They're having a conversation, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, isn't Aragorn like hundreds of feet in the air? Like, I think it's only like 50 or 60. I I mean, the movie probably like shows it, like frames it to look like it's hundreds of feet or, or like way, way up there. But, um, castles really aren't all that. Like like the outer walls usually aren't all that tall. From what I've seen, I mean, yes, they can be tall, but like fortresses are kind of low to the ground. It's just they're, they're a sheer wall. And that's what keeps people from getting in. Um, I mean, they, these orcs have ladders that can reach the top of the wall, so it can't be more than like 100 feet it, by my estimation. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Maybe I have movie mind. But, yeah. And I mean, again, Frenchmen yelling at at. at the knights of the round table kind of mentality here it's just like he is just kind of shouting from the wall and they're jeering back at him so yeah it's just kind of funny like you know the way it's presented in the book i felt like you know their dialogue seems very clear i'm imagining like one person trying to talk to like thousands a, a, a thousand fucking orcs right it's like i guess they're listening like an orc spokesman you know yeah, and, okay. they're, and they're listening. I, I, yes. This is something I don't remember from the movie at all. Like, I do remember scenes from the battle. Um, it'll be interesting to see if this actually exists in the battle, in either the Peter Jackson movie or the uh, Rankin-Bass. Right. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, for those okay, interested, we, we watch the movies at the end of, when we're done reading the book if they're available, and we have so many movies to get through when we're done with Lord of the Rings. So this might turn into a movie podcast for a little bit. Yeah, that's true. We'll see. Um, okay, I have a couple more notes I want to get through here. Um, a lot of them we got through already, but... Um, I mean, it's a pretty okay. straightforward battle once you get past the, the it, how quick it is. It, things resolve. I wanted to mention a couple times throughout the chapter, but the one I'm going to shout out is on my copy, page 143. But a couple times it's brought up that um, Aragorn's sword, Anduril, is like just destroying everyone. And yep. there's it's this cool shining, line. Gleaming. Yes. And- yes. Yeah, it says, um, In his hand still, Anduril gleamed, and the terror of the sword for a while held back the enemy. Um, one thing I was thinking as, like, Anduril kept get, getting uh, brought up, I mean, we know its prominence in the story of Lord of the Rings. It's the sword of Isildur, Aragorn's heir, Isildur is the one who smote Sauron and, you know, sliced the one ring off his hand in that legendary battle, like, an age ago. Yeah, I totally forgot about that detail, but you're absolutely right. Right, so, like, Anduril is really important. But, like, also part of what I was thinking about is, like, isn't it just a sword? Like, it's not a magic sword, you know? It's a regular it's not a it's, regular sword of course right it's but I, again it's, it's that it, it's never described as like inherently having any like amazing quality unto itself other than its history and the fact that it was it's like right. it's just legendary yes exactly it's, and it, i think that's part that might be part of it is that the fact that it is legendary is what gives it power it's a symbol yes um and i think that I think that just goes back to Tolkien is is uh, a British citizen and grew up with that mentality of like because it's famous it has to be powerful or something or the the power of the symbol kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like the, it's the same reason the monarchy is is uh, is a, still a thing kind of it's just it's a symbol. Yeah, no, I, I think those are all really astute thoughts. Uh, my one comparison was um, thinking about it. Uh, in fact, my note says it's interesting how nothing of the blade itself seems special, just that its legacy and deeds grant it a kind of legendary power. And yes. then um, I said, kind of like Anakin's lightsaber, which, especially in the sequel trilogy, is really given like a, a yeah. reverence. But it's wait, just wait, a wait, lightsaber. Wait. Sorry, you said Anakin's lightsaber? I did. That, okay, so yes. this is not related to Lord of the Rings, but I I was going to bring this up tonight because it, it's, it's, it was crazy to me. Um, I saw a, you know, driving home from work, I saw a sign for Anakin's laundromat. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that crazy? What? 
Yeah, there's a place called Anakin's Laundromat in West Haven, Connecticut. Wow. Yeah. Weird. Uh, it's to, uh, weird to think of anyone outside of Star Wars having the name Anakin, but... Safely snap a picture of that uh, next time you go by it. I'd love would, to see what that yeah. place looks yeah. like. I was going to pull over and take a picture, but I was really hungry, and I was going to stop and shop for snacks, so I decided to not do that. But I was I thought I, about it. I understand. It. But, you know, next time, because, like, you're going to yeah. go to work again, right? Yes, I think so, yes. I mean, unless you're done. No, you know? I will. I most likely will go to work again, yes. Okay. <laughs> but there is a chance you won't. Well, it was an alternate route home because I was trying – I'm trying a new stop and shop to see if they have the snacks that I want because the one yeah. close to me doesn't. So I was like gotcha. testing it out. Yep. It does have this. It does have, it, it did, did have the snacks that I wanted. So I might go, go that. So you were, you were able to get the moon cheese. I got my moon cheese. Yeah. It was it the moon it cheese. The really? Moon cheese. You, were you really right. moon cheese? <laughs> wow. Moon cheese. Okay. Well. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, okay. you got me there. That's funny. Um, but yeah, going back to the lightsaber conversation real quick. I mean, that's you said it's more so in the sequel trilogy. I think it's only really in the sequel trilogy that has that reverence behind it because true. It's it, in the original trilogy. It's just his father's lightsaber. It's yeah, it's a bit of a family heirloom, but there's no real power behind it. It's just it, it's like uh, here, kid. Here's your here's your dad's like uh, uh, Smith Weston shotgun. Go go fight go fight the British or something. I don't know. Um, it's just it's a tool that happened to be his father's, and it gives him this connection to start the the journey to actually become a Jedi. And he goes on. Luke goes on to make his own lightsaber and his right. own weapon that he has his own connection to. Um, but then the sequel trilogy, it's like it it suddenly has all this extra power, and it's uh, like. Uh, uh, I'm blanking on his name. Um, Kylo, Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just wants it because it's his grandfather's, or and it's just it has the symbolic power now all of a sudden, which is weird because it was just sitting in a in a chest for twenty years. Right. So it it was a when you now that you've put that into words, I realize how strange it is that the lightsaber was. The, the symbolic MacGuffin throughout the sequel trilogy um, where even in other Star Wars stories that just isn't the case like to, not to get super spoilish with Ahsoka but uh, in like the first or second episode uh, we see that uh, Sabine has a lightsaber it turns out it's Ezra's lightsaber that he made in Rebels and just happened to leave with her at the end of the series but Huyang goes on and says, "Like I see, you've made it your own. Though it's no longer a symbol of this is Ezra's like Ezra's lightsaber. This is now Sabine's lightsaber because she made it her own. Yeah, and that's that's more of what like happens with lightsabers is they it's more of like they're they're more tools that reflect who's using them as opposed to just like this big symbolic rallying symbol for armies right. and." So. Not to get off topic and continue to talk oh, about Star Wars because it's not there. it's not going to matter in relation <laughs> to what we're talking about here with the two towers. But like, I think if that idea in the sequel trilogy was fully followed through on, it it could be a really interesting place to take Anakin's lightsaber. Like, yeah, it wasn't done that way prior, but like, you know, a lot of what the sequel trilogy 
kind of was about was like, you know, how, how do you, um, like make your own life within the shadow of a legacy, which was really meta because it's kind of like Disney being like, how do you make Star Wars movies? George Lucas yep. is the only person who's ever done it. Now we're on the outset of something like very new and daunting and weird. And like, yep. that was a cool way to reflect that in the movie. Like I like that in the force awakens. Um, it just right. doesn't feel like that matters anymore. By the time you get to the rise of Skywalker, like they've lost the plot, you know? Yeah. And Anakin lightsaber is right. still important, but you know, I really like the focus that Ryan Johnson continues to give it in The Last Jedi, and then it splits, and it's yeah. like, wow, you know, like, think of <laughs> think of all the cool things you could do now that, like, the symbol that you've made has been, you know, torn in half, and then they're like, nah, yep. we just put it back together. It's fine. Yeah, The Rise of Skywalker was disappointing as a uh, wrap-up to that trilogy. Um I still enjoyed it when I went to go see it in theaters, but I actually haven't seen it since. So. Rise of Skywalker, actually. Wow, actually wait, 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 wait. wait, wait. Bringing it back, though, guys. Rise of Skywalker sure, is, you, is that Rise of Skywalker is pretty much like this chapter, right? Like a lot of things just happen, and then it gets like resolved. How it gets resolved? <laughs> and then it gets I feel like right, that's an know? insult to Helm's Deep. I feel like it's an insult to Helm's Deep to, wow, to Josh, compare to Rise of Skywalker. That's, that's pretty critical of you. I mean, he's right though. You know, know. he's right well, to sure, say it. Sure. Helm's sure. I'm but, also wary of like we have a lot of if anyone's listening to this they're presumably a Lord of the Rings fan and Helm's Deep is like one of the moments in Lord of the Rings it's like the Battle of Hoth in but Star Wars there are similarities though you gotta admit there are I mean when you go generic enough yes but then also like we kind of started this discussion with um, talking about like oh you know are we getting our wires crossed with our thoughts on the movies and the book? And like, I think, I think Helm's Deep from Peter Jackson's uh, trilogy is that is, moment. Is the battle yes. off? I yes, think the real what, question is: is, the is that true in the book? Probably not. It, it's it is a it is a definite like plot point. It, it it is certainly like an event in the book. It, it, it is has part a whole of the plot. chapter to itself. It does happen within <laughs> um, the book. Thank you. Um, well said. But you're right. It's it it does feel like we just kind of like showed up here. I mean, a few chapters ago, we were we were talking with uh, the oldest living trees on the planet. Mm -hmm. um, like we were hunting the orcs to to get their friends back and now it's just like well detour we're gonna go like save a country by from a from an assault from an entire army and it's it's like okay like this is quick it we got here really quick but i guess this is how things are happening yeah and then gandalf shows up and it's just it's gandalf showing up he, he, gandalf shows up and everything just moves a hell of a lot quicker now classic gandalf Actually, isn't it funny? Does it, like Gandalf gets called out at the end of this chapter. Aemir is like, "Hey, you didn't tell us anything about what the fuck you were doing. We didn't know when you that, would be back." I or think is that's the beginning, beginning of the next chapter. Yeah, it is. It, it's like, just it's yes. funny 
because yeah. like you're saying Josh like I feel like at this point in the series like the reader is like classic Gandalf but anyone who's just meeting Gandalf is like are you insane what the fuck is wrong with you there were like <laughs> thousands of orcs out here you didn't tell us anything like pretty so. much yeah um, and very last thing and sort of on that note of like things just happen and I was even kind of thinking about this I feel like I've been like very on board with the flow of the story of the two towers mm-hmm. up until um, what chapter was it before um, the king of the golden hall which was chapter six. So in our last discussion, yep. we, we discussed chapters five and chapter six. Chapter yep. five, Gandalf coming back, whatever. Like, I'm 100% on board. I'm all with it. But chapter six, when they go to Edoras and they meet with Theoden, I was, like, thinking more about it. And I feel like that's where, like, I feel like the story... Hit the gas. Yeah. Hit the but gas it and the then gas turn the in wheel. a direction, right? It, it feels like it's not a natural course for the story to take anymore. I feel like so far, Lord of the Rings has like one event feeds very naturally into the other. You know, like things are constantly building, and like at this point, it's like, oh, you know, now we're because because beforehand it was like, okay, the company has been split up. And now Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas are like, okay, well, let's find Merry and Pippin. We trust that Frodo and Sam are on their mission. I'm with yes. it. So then, at some point, like, as they're trying to find them, that's when Gandalf shows up. And then Gandalf is like, actually, we need to go to this kingdom in Rohan. And it's like, why? Well, Gandalf doesn't really explain anything. And then they get he just there. just horse. <laughs> there's this whole thing we, you know we said the whole thing with like worm tongue happened really fast whatever we talked yep. about that and then like immediately I, after that they get roped up into this giant battle now we're back at Helm's Deep and my, my last point is like I, I feel like if I'm understanding it correctly I think the funny thing about Helm's Deep is it doesn't it's not even about um, like our heroes at all I I think what's happening here like previously Gandalf has mentioned that you know Rohan is like especially in a horrible place because as Saruman is increasing his power on the west then we have uh, Sauron in Mordor in the east of course and I'm like is is the Battle of Helm's Deep, like, is Saruman just amassing his troops and moving ever westward because he's trying to fight Sauron? Like, is Rohan just in the way? And, like, that's what Helm's Deep is? Like, I was even kind of confused as to why the battle happens. You know what I mean? Like, why are people even fighting? Yeah, just because was... Saruman wants to go yeah, around them? He just wants to swing, a, swing his big stick around. Um... Yeah, no, it, it, a few chapters ago, it was just like, yeah, we're chasing like a band of maybe 40 orcs that stole our friends and killed another. Uh, and now it's just like, here's an army of thousands coming down yes. on this countryside. And there's no indication that Sauron, Saruman um, like, realized that he lost his quarry or something, or yeah. that it's not like retribution for anything. It's just like, oh yeah, no, it's just 
he happened to send his army in this direction at this time. And good thing Gandalf was there or else the king wouldn't have rallied his troops at Helm's Deep and uh, or the the general wouldn't have made his way back to Helm's Deep when he did or the Ents wouldn't have come. Right. And yeah, it's just like Gandalf's back and here's something that's like a Gandalf level threat that Gandalf goes to deal with off screen while we deal with the Gandalf level threat by ourselves. Yeah, so I, I, think I think that's, that's kind of what happened there. That's really well put. Like that's that's what I'm trying to say. And so um, it's weird to like have read the chapter now and feel like I have mixed feelings on Helm's Deep because, like you're saying, Josh, yeah, not to harp on it, but in the movie, you know, uh, it's a really pivotal scene and it's it's really well remembered because in terms of what uh, Peter Jackson and the team like delivered as a cinematic experience is held in really high regard, you know? How come I don't remember yeah. that? Uh, uh, so you probably never you have to see it. Thought, you dude. have to see it. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sure, sure. But, uh, but yeah, the chapter, it's, it's not even... I know that we do a lot of, like, weighing the books against the movies and, like, oh, isn't it tough to be, like, reading the book in some way when, when the movie in our mind kind of looms so large. And I'm not going to say that there isn't some comparison here, but I just feel like the chapter in and of itself is not fully successful. So, you know why this feels like so much has happened all of a sudden? It's because at this point in the fellowship, seven chapters in, we aren't still in the Shire. They were still at Tom Bombadil. Yeah. I missed that like, crazy fucker. <laughs> so much more has happened in in fellowship. This amount of story, seven chapters. Um, we have Bilbo disappearing. We have Frodo growing up, and then dis- going through his whole plan to leave. And just they leave, and the the, the Black Riders chase them, and they end up in the the Barrow Downs. Um, uh, no, sorry, they they just get to the Barrow Downs at the the same point that we're at here, and it's like. They haven't gotten to the forest. Uh, uh, they haven't gotten to. I'm sorry. Um, uh, uh, fuck, Rivendell. They haven't gotten yeah. to. They haven't gone down the river. They haven't gotten to Lothlorien. Uh, they haven't done any of that stuff yet. That felt like it was so much going on. And here we've already like crossed half the countryside. Um, we we've met. We, we've we've gone in two different directions with the um, uh, Aragorn's group and the the Hobbit's group, uh, and we've saved a king and we we've gone through a massive battle that's almost on par with like the Battle of the Five Armies. Yeah, it, just in size. And so it's 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 a much more fast paced story so far. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely true, and that's all there. Um, and, you know, I think it works because, again, you know, like, the Two Towers is is a functioning as, like, the middle of one larger story. So, like, yes. I get that. It's like, okay, they laid the foundation. Now we're going to, like, move ahead a bit quicker and get into the action. Like, that all makes sense to me. But... I do think it's a little bit more than just like being used to Tolkien's pacing one way and then having to adjust to it another. I just feel like too much is introduced without 
without any build-up to it. I feel like previously, yeah. Tolkien was really good at like establishing threats or or things that are going to you know be relevant later on, and then mm -hmm. they're reoccurring. You know, you learn more about them, and you know as you meet them, or or maybe several times before you even come in contact with it for the first time. Um, I don't know. The example that's coming to my mind is like the Nazgul. You know, it's like you don't just learn everything about the Nazgul all at once. Like that, the the fellowship almost the whole way through is like, you know, learning feeding you information. You uh, yeah. right, drip feeding you information a bit. It's like very very brief. And uh, we talked a lot about like those moments because it's like you only got a small amount. You know, it's not it's not something that was just dropped on you. And it's like okay, now you have to know this and. The examples that we're talking about in the two towers, like the Westfold, you know, people or the whole stuff with Adoras and all that, like, it's not the same. I, but, but I, I do think it's it, it it doesn't feel as elegant like in its construction. So, Agreed. there's that. Um, with with that out of the way, I do feel like I'm ready to discuss chapter eight uh are you guys ready as well do you want to take a quick break i'd say a two minute break real quick yeah let's do a tight two okay sounds good all right it is i i will time us i'm not Go. even gonna get up from my seat wow all right so next we are going to be talking about chapter eight which is the road to isengard um and just like the name suggests, it's pretty much about how our group, Gandalf, Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, Theoden, Aemir, a couple other people, whatever, get from about, Helm's Deep. About 25 people total, yeah. Yeah. Get from Helm's Deep to Isengard because Gandalf is like... Um, I'm going to confront Saruman. Um, and he says, you know, he's not going for a fight, so he doesn't want to bring an army. You know, he says he, he wants to parlay. And we'll see how that goes. I don't know. <laughs> but that's apparently yep. Gandalf's plan. Um, but, yeah, most of this chapter <clears throat> is dedicated to... Uh, this group journeying to Isengard and you kind of talked about the trees uh, from the end of the previous chapter the characters are very surprised about that they're like what is a forest doing here that's weird well turns out it's the Ents it's like why so, Why can I only say I'm yep. Groot <laughs> yeah. I loved when Gimli said that that was funny yeah it, it was even funnier when you made that same joke uh, last episode I mean, it's a different variant of, a, of the same joke, you know? Yeah. So, pretty much the same. But not quite. Okay. Um, yeah, so they... they uh, it, I thought it was kind of weird, because, like, it sounds like part of why they're shocked is that this forest was not here before, and now all of a sudden, it is. And yep. so... Not all the trees are Ents, 
and like they say that that's kind of what the Ents do. They're like tree shepherds, but I didn't fully realize maybe how literal that was. Like they're moving the trees. Yeah, that's a little ambiguous in the text, but yeah, it's like the the trees are just there all of a sudden, and then like the next night they they hear rumbling and the the ground shakes, and then the trees are gone. Right, and they do see ants when they're leaving. Yeah, but they're like calling to other ants, and they're like walking over the plains to like I guess shepherd the trees some more. Yeah, um, I mean unless all the trees are ants. And they're just like in tree mode and they're hiding, yeah, they're like, but they're tree like. I don't know. Yeah. Um, like I said, it's ambiguous. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so so we get that. And uh, as they travel, you know, we kind of mentioned uh, Gimli and Legolas have a good back and forth. I'm, we'll probably talk more about that. Um but unless I'm forgetting something, I mean, it essentially just chronicles just, <clears throat> you know, several minor things about their journey until they eventually get to Isengard. And then um, that part's actually hilarious because when they get to Isengard, everything's destroyed. Yep. And then Merry and Pippin are just there, like, smoking to, and eating. <laughs> pretending to be, like, the guards. Yeah. Like, yeah, Treebeard told us to give you a message when he got here. <laughs> <laughs> I, this was, like, one of the funniest things that Tolkien has written. I really at liked first, it. At first, I mean... It was, I liked how cheeky it was. It was. Yeah. At first, I really thought they were, like, brainwashed or something. Really? Yeah, I was like, they're not fucking acting the nor- like normal. Right. You know? It was funny, though. Yeah. Yeah, I did think it was weird... Because there's a line where it says uh, something like they they like purposefully uh, it's like they didn't even notice Gandalf and the others, you know? And so there is like a funny line on that too where, you know, Gimli is like, what the fuck? Like we're standing right here. Yeah. You know, we've been looking for you. You're not even going to say hi. Um, yeah, that that was that was the thing that really bugged me about it was just Mary doesn't even seem excited that Gandalf's there. I, still I mean, think he, they're brainwashed actually. Well, they are high off their mind with the weed, but uh, no, it's not the weed. Could be. They they should be hugging and you know, you know, bear hugging Gandalf and Gimli and Legolas, you know. Well, I think I think they Gimli loses his patience, and I, unless Connor was just talking about that, and I just happened to zone out for the wrong second. Um, but yeah, Gimli just is like, all right, will you cut that out, guys? Like we've been, we've literally been like walking like forty leagues or more, uh, trying to find you two. Why are you just like ignoring us? And and Mary's just like. Uh, just like cheeky about it and it's like well I, yeah. i'm not ignoring you i'm just having some fun right and then gandalf's just there and talking to them and he doesn't even seem to notice that it's gandalf which last he saw fell off a fucking bridge <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a great point i didn't even i did not even think about that actually <laughs> you're fucking so, right they they don't even unless no gandalf Gandalf's was alive unless gandalf was already here and just like, and they they reunited uh, off screen, 
it's, or, it's or very like somehow strange. tree beard knew and told them he had like a, his maybe tree beard but it would still be like you, you think he'd still be like Gandalf it's so great to see you again it's all weird they're they're brainwashed by Saruman or they're just super mellow at the moment and Lord and Lord everyone into a trap that's going to happen I next mean, chapter sorry Pippin was talking um, right. Mary was not um, he's Ma- asleep, Mary didn't even bother to get up yeah right. he's asleep, he's asleep at first yeah um, yeah Josh I also didn't really consider that this is the reunification of Gandalf and Mary and Pippin too so it's a good thing to shout out because I was just having fun w- with, uh, you know, him teasing uh, the king and yeah, you and, know, and like his that, companions. That was a really good moment, but it's like, yeah, shouldn't there be something to be like, oh yeah, you know, Gandalf, we thought you were dead. Um, and yeah. it is a good point too to consider: did Gandalf come back here? Because I mean, it is possible. He did when he was off. He was like going around, like gathering the the people who were scattered. Like they pass a grave at one point, um, when they're crossing the ford, and they're like, "Where's the where's the river?" And like Saruman has done evil things to the to the land around here. Yeah, uh, and this is where like all our men were were wiped out by the by the orcs. And Gandalf's like, "Nah, the some people were killed, yes, but like most of them were just scattered." I, I gathered them up, and that's who saved you at Helm's Deep. Um, True. And look, there's the grave for the people who actually died over there. <laughs> right. But, uh, so Gandalf was in the vicinity, but he didn't go all the way, apparently, and I don't know. Yeah. I guess it'll be interesting to see if maybe in the next chapter we get that, because it, it doesn't seem like Tolkien to just uh, overlook a detail like that, but... Uh, right. But for, for given just like what we've read, yeah, that seems like a strange thing to uh, to omit. So, good catch. <laughs> um, what uh, what else about this chapter, Connor? Any thoughts about the road to Isengard? Um, not really. I mean, I, you know, I just thought it was, you know, kind of interesting. Um, the reactions they had to the tree people or the treeple, you know, um, very distrusting. Because I mean, the whole thing is kind of like they're uh, they're they're kind of been they've been led to believe that they're not good, right? Like, and and the whole thing about like Fangorn or whatever, like, yeah, there, there's like a uh, a. Like, like the legend that surrounds it is like, oh, it's like the evil area or evil woods or whatever. But the tree guys are actually really nice, so it's kind of like yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean that that was pretty cool. I wish we had, we we got more interaction with with some of the Ents, but um. But I mean, it, it was great to see Merry and Pippin again, and and uh, you know, I, I mean, it was just. You know, again, it, again, it was weird. It was a weird ending to the chapter. Like we saw, uh, or off screen, they, you know, the the tree people and them did this awesome thing. Um. So, like, in a way, I like that it kind of like, um, 
kind of messes with your expectations because you kind of expected that to be like the great fight that you were going to witness, right? Like with, with uh, the Ents and the Orcs and Saruman and, and Isengard and stuff. But it was but but the great fight you witnessed was actually the one last chapter where you, you had no idea was going to happen. Um, yeah, true. So it kind of subverts expectations in a way, but also there's just like a lot of weirdness throughout that's like that is like kind of throwing me off especially with Mary and Pippin um and how they behave so I don't I mean maybe it is all the weed maybe it is that that good ish getting to their heads I don't know <laughs> but um I also I do like the end of the chapter where the hobbits where the king says goodbye and the hobbits are like oh so that was the king uh a fine old fellow very polite <laughs> yes yeah I mean they, they have been through a lot in these last few chapters so like I kind of understand they're not like they're I, but I mean it's it's just like it's like they didn't even recognize their friends um, yeah which yeah. is why I really At did first. think I really did think that they were brainwashed and like luring everyone into a Saruman trap and I'm like not I'm still not convinced that that's not the case but I I, I mean we'll we'll see but I don't I don't know. It was just weird. Yeah. Yeah, I get what you mean in that regard. I do. Um, Because it it does kind of feel like the pieces come together in in ways that, you know, maybe maybe it seems like they don't fit completely right, you know? Um, But... Um, I don't know. I guess there was still some good stuff in this chapter, and I like that, you know, it it serves as bringing the characters together. Finally, I think Josh mentioned, you know, we're nearly halfway through the two towers. And, (laughs) like, yeah, a lot has happened, but the overarching, like, lot of what's going on really is just that at the end of the fellowship you know the that's what the last chapter is right it's the breaking of the fellowship and now the two towers is sort of like the story of you know not only what do they do after they split apart but how and do they you know come back together and we're finally getting a moment of of the group you know finding each other and that I appreciate. But then you're right, Connor, because it, it does feel like it's like tinged with just that little bit of weirdness where it's like, you know, where's the catharsis of like the characters coming back together? Like Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe that is like a subversion thing that Tolkien's trying to play on. Like, oh, you know, you thought it was going to be this emotional, heartwarming thing. And instead... He kind of plays it for laughs, you know? And I I do think the scene is funny. Like, I think it's comedic, and he writes it really well. But now that Josh pointed out the whole, like, didn't Merry and Pippin think Gandalf is dead, and why don't they comment on that at all? Like, that does put a sour taste in my mouth, because I didn't come into this discussion with that. No, don't be. (laughs) I'm fine with that. I'm really glad you pointed it out, but it's like... You know, my impression, just like quickly reading through the chapter, because it's like, okay, we got to talk, you know, 
I was like, hey, that was a, a funny ending. Like, I liked that they did that. But then it's like, it, is that at the expense of, you know, not even just having an emotional beat, but at, like, the logic of the characters themselves? Like, it doesn't make sense that Marion Pippin wouldn't comment on seeing Gandalf for the first time after they thought he was dead. So... Yeah, like, I, I can see Tolkien coming back to this moment, maybe, and commenting on it in the next chapter or something, but, you know, given where we're at in the story, does feel a little strange. So, there's that. Maybe they, like, hit their heads really hard in the battle, you know? Like, Mate, there was a lot of broken rocks and stuff yeah, around everywhere, you know? They, they, they could have yeah. taken a rock to the head, so that's a, that's a possibility. <laughs> Um, I have a note here. It just it, it kind of seems like a dam may have literally burst because there's uh, a lot of water like still running everywhere. The river started running like the night before when they were camping. Yes. Yeah. Everything's destroyed. Yeah, I think uh, you might be right about that. So again, it's it it all happened off screen. So I wonder if like that whole battle that I'm remembering from the movie. 10 years ago is actually like something that was just inserted because it, it doesn't happen in the book. Well, it happens, right. but it doesn't, you don't see it in the book. Exactly. And that's, that's what we were sort of talking about with um, the way the Peter Jackson films portray and show Boromir's death, whereas the book just talks about it after it's happened. It's like you know, Peter Jackson didn't make anything up out of thin air. All the stuff that's in the movie did happen. It's just that it's not shown, and he chooses to show it. So I, I do think that's kind of the back and forth between, like, the movie book discussion, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, we were talking about the Gimli-Legolas friendship bit, and... I did like this chapter opens with um, Gimli, you know, they're like, oh, they're worried about Gimli. What happened to Gimli? Well, Gimli comes back with uh, like a bandage on him. He's like blood splattered, you oh, know, that's missing. Yes. Yeah. And the only thing he says is 42. Yeah. <laughs> Which is hilarious, but it's yeah, also read, it's also the answer to life, universe, and everything. Right, it's also our second Hitchhiker's reference of the episode. I love that Tolkien <laughs> is a uh, Douglas Adams fan. Yes, <laughs> but that was that was like a funny way of. Um, See, I I come across uh, forty two so fight. often on the internet that I I'm kind of numb to it when I came across it in the book. Yeah, uh, but I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out. Um, <laughs> the uh, the thing I was focusing on was how Gimli just started gushing about the caverns right. that all the the non-combatants were hiding in, and he's basically saying like these like give the dwarves like a generation or two just to to cultivate it like a garden, and it'll be the most beautiful like cavern, the, the most beautiful underground location in all of Middle Earth. Uh, yeah. And Legolas is, he's begging Legolas to like come with him. And Legolas is like, no, I want to go check out like uh, the, not Farond, um, Fangorn. I, I, he want, Fangorn, yeah. He wants to go to Fangorn yeah. Forest. Yeah. My brain went to Zelda for a moment. Again, everything's crosswired. Um, 
and they they had this bromance moment of just like yeah I'll I'll go with you to to Fangorn if you come with me to the caverns afterward like deal. Um, I think Legos is also chatting him for a moment of just like yeah the dwarves would absolutely ruin the the natural beauty of the of the caverns and Gimli's like are you kidding no we'll we'll cultivate it like a garden of stone and like spend a whole day fretting about which like spot to hit with the pickaxe right so just so we can open up like one cavern that hasn't seen the light of day <laughs> yeah I did like that exchange though um hmm. I, I mean hearing about the caverns sorry but hearing about the caverns from Gimli's point of view instead of Tolkien describing it as like a setting mm-hmm was was interesting even though they're technically the same voice um or technically the same writer it's like the, the different voice of gimli like excitedly uh telling you about these caverns felt way different than Tolkien telling you about the countryside or the forest that the Cardi's walking through and it's just it was a change of pace and i liked it that's a, a really great observation too because gimli goes on about the caverns at length like yeah, it's like two or three pages. I, yeah, like I was gonna say, at least a full two pages, like a literal full two pages. And um, yeah, I I was engaged reading through his description, so I didn't really think about like, oh, what's what's different. You know, I was just thinking like, oh, like that that worked, but that's a good way to, you know, kind of isolate like, oh, well, why did it feel like maybe that was was better or a little smoother to read and it's like yeah there's some like passion behind it it's not just this like matter of fact description of the landscape it you also like get more of Gimli's character and like what he values and is excited by and it's it's a cool way to do it and I was just gonna to add on um, in Fellowship when they go through Lothlorien that's like the moment where I think there literally was a line we were kind of making fun of where it was like and then Gimli and Legolas were friends and um, right it was kind of like when Anduil just suddenly like reforged it was like I thought yes. that was like a whole like 10 minute bit in the movie right um, but I'm you know, mentioning that because it's like one thing to say like, oh, they're friends now. And then another, of course, to like give you the sense that they are friends. And both, you know, these two chapters, Helm's Deep with like their friendly rivalry of how many orcs they can kill. And then, yeah, sort of their like romance road trip that they want to do. I think really went a long way to being like, oh, yeah, like, Gimli and Legolas actually have, like, a bond and a relationship that's unique to them. Um, And I'm glad that Tolkien chose to focus on that more because um, it just doesn't always come across that way. And these these were two really good examples of, like, oh, yeah, like, Gimli and Legolas really are friends. That's cool. Yeah. And um, I, I only have one more note that I took for this chapter, so I'll just share it. And then, uh, you know, if you have any anything else, Josh, or uh, 
we'll we'll go through it. But my last note here um, on my copy, it's page one hundred sixty-one. We're literally off by like five hundred fifty pages because mine just picked up the page count from Fellowship. Oh, it did. Yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah. Okay, so we're it's like very far off. Okay. I've given up whenever you give the page number. I gave up when we were reading The Hobbit, but I gave up right. a while ago. I see. Um, so when they when they come to Isengard though, and it talks about like the destruction and stuff, but then it also it also talks about. Um, you know, like, kind of the 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 awe of its construction, and yep. um, there's this part. It says, um, uh, "But Saruman had slowly shaped it to his shifting purposes and made it better as he thought, being deceived." For all those arts and subtle devices for which he forsook his former wisdom and which fondly he imagined were his own came but from Mordor so that what he made was not only a little copy, a child's model or a slave's flattery of that vast fortress, armory, prison, furnace of great power, Barad-dur, the dark tower which suffered no rival and laughed at flattery, biding its time, secure in its pride and its immeasurable strength. Yes. Uh, so, two things. I also have One. two things. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. You, you first. Mine are stupid. Okay. Um, so, I... I like the idea that, like, Saruman's come to power, and he feels like he's ready to take on Sauron, and yet, like, through this description, Tolkien's telling us it, it feels like Saruman never could have done it. Like, it didn't even matter. It d doesn't matter if they fall at Helm's Deep. It doesn't matter if they were successful, and they killed everyone, and then Saruman's forces continued on. What Saruman has and what Sauron has are, like, night and day, you know? Yeah. And so Saruman believes himself to be powerful. Um, and of course, like he is in a certain frame of reference. From but, a certain point um, of view. From a, from a certain point of view. <laughs> um, but he's, he's ultimately just copying Sauron's process. And... Um, I don't know. The one thing that like struck me as interesting is like, why does Saruman feel like what he's doing is novel and of his own when it seems very clear? I get that this is like the narrator, this is Tolkien, but like, wouldn't yep. Saruman like realize that he's ultimately just copying anyways? But anyways, um, the other thing is, are these the two towers? Is it Orthanc and Barad-dor, which are the namesake of the book, The Two Towers? Oh, that's interesting. Or do they get to Minas Tirith later and it's it's Orthanc and... I don't know. I don't know. Because in Fellowship, when we were learning about Gondor, um, we were speculating that Minas Tirith and the other place were the two towers. So... 
There was also right. a uh, a part in this chapter, I think, when they were walking, um, where it mentions two structures like that were not towers but looked like towers, and uh, that's something that I noticed. Oh uh, yeah, as, as maybe a reference. I to remember the title. vaguely what you're saying, but I didn't take note of it, so I don't know where that is. Hmm. But no, that's a, that's a good point about maybe the two towers are Saruman, Sauron's tower and the shadow of a copy that is Saruman's tower. God, their names are the I same. I, I, it's so annoying. But, I mean, maybe, uh, like, with this new piece of information, it's like, you know, maybe that's even more deliberate than I had considered before. It's like, is Saruman himself... A copy, just a sad copy of Sauron in the first place. I I I really get the impression that uh, Sauron is or was like manipulating Saruman pretty much entirely, and um, Saruman thinking like, oh yeah, he he can, you know, use use the power of the ring for him himself and his own devices was only a delusion in his head created by Sauron. Um, yeah, because, because, I mean that's that's my note here. Yeah, was basically, so Saruman was defeated by Mordor. He just didn't know it. Exactly. Yeah, because I think um, I think the orcs were saying to each other like, Sauron Mordor will defeat Isengard. Yeah, because that was like, Stuff like uh, that. you know, Sauron knew that like how how that um, train of thought would would affect him, and um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean. I don't know. Sucks to suck. Sorry, man. <laughs> yeah. My, my other note I, for this... Oh, go ahead. No, no, I'm sorry, Josh. You go. Okay. My other note with this is just that the, the line laughed at flattery is just a great way to say that nothing could imitate it. Because mm. flattery is the greatest... Uh, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I, funny. I, I, thought that, I thought that was some really good... Uh, wording there by Tolkien. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my computer is doing some work for me in the background and it finally got through a part. Uh, let's see, what are my other notes here? Let's see. Uh, we did find out that the forest was the ends. Um, oh, at the beginning, when they're Tolkien writes about how they're cleaning up after the battle and like tending to the dead and just piling the orcs in front of the forest. Um, and I guess the forest like takes eats or takes the dead orcs with it when it leaves. But it, it's just a very, it's like a page, it's just like very morbid aftermath that I think most authors would just kind of gloss over. Cause it's, it's not a, it's not like the, the final battle. It's just like one in the middle and there's still, you still take time to talk about like, yeah, they're burying, like there's like two or three like mass graves and like one where um the the one guy uh was i forget who but one guy got his own grave at the bottom of the uh oh hama yeah hama he had like a line earlier on yeah uh and gandalf warned them uh not to take an axe to the trees even though they were scared of them anyway and then gandalf also told them to just let the orcs lie so that, that was just interesting to me that they he was covering such a morbid topic. Yeah. Yeah, there were good details. Um, it reminds me in, in this chapter when they're on the road 
like you said, I guess I think they keep passing like bodies and graves, and Theoden says something like, "What the fuck, Gandalf? Like, did we have to go this way?" You know? Yeah, Gandalf, no, like, through- this is the road the Isengard. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, it's like through the fords, and that's when he was like, also, it's like it looks like a lot, but this is like literally everybody who died. It's not like, like the people who saved you were the rest of the people who aren't yeah. currently buried here. So it's like not all bad news. I mean, yes, it's terrible, but also the river's missing. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I said I guess one simply does walk or ride into Isengard, but uh, there's a lot of strange sights along the way. <laughs> Let's see. The dam has burst. We talked about Mary. Doesn't seem excited to see Gandalf again, but his cheeky reunion was really nice. Oh, and Gandalf just being Gandalf again at the end of the chapter. Uh, when the king is making polite small talk with Mary, uh, Mary and Pippin, and they start talking about the history of the pipeweed, and Gandalf just interrupts with the. Uh, uh, you do not know your danger, Theoden. Uh, the hobbits will sit on the edge of ruin and discuss the pleasures of the table or the small doings of their fathers, grandfathers, and great-grandfathers and remoter cousins to the ninth degree if you encourage them with undue patience. <laughs> Some other time would be more fitting for the history of smoking. Yeah. So yeah, that, that that's the Gandalf we missed. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, this feels like some like nice, light-hearted banter. Among comrades, yeah. And we don't always get that, you know. I remember liking a lot of that in the Shire, like, beginning of the Fellowship, and then gets into some more serious territory. We don't have as many moments like that. So it it was cool to to have that included. Yeah. I haven't talked about it much in the past few months, but I am still kind of writing my own project in the background, and a lot of it is, like, the a lot of stuff I write down as like notes to myself are just, is just like the banter among friends and that kind of stuff. So it, 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 I pick up on it a bit more maybe. Nice. Yeah. It, uh, you know, goes a great way to show that the characters actually like each other or, you know, or, or or don't, but at least are friendly enough to, you know, to rib each other. Um, Right, and also Jokingly. shows a bit more of their personalities. Exactly, and... yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, talking That's... about, like, writing advice and stuff, and it's like, oh, yeah, I know Tolkien's the last person who needs this, but it does <laughs> feel like there could be just a little bit more of that here and there, you know? Like, we kind of... yeah have also mentioned like going through fellowship like oh yeah it seems like you know Frodo and Sam's relationship isn't like what we typically think of it as and it's not to say that I won't grow into that or or that you know it's not much more deliberately paced by Tolkien in the books to, to have like more of an arc to it but um you know I guess I, I kind of can't help but sort of like reflect and think about like I don't know. Maybe they could have just had like one more friendly conversation, you know, maybe, instead of yeah. just writing about. Also, I, I watched a video over the weekend. It was something about naming uh, in fantasy or naming your characters and places in, in uh, fictional writing. One of the, the points was don't make character names sound the same. And I, I thought of that when <laughs> right. we were complaining about Sauron and Saruman again. <laughs> 
I mean, there's yeah, a lot of that. Now... There's a lot of that in Tolkien's writing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it makes sense I when like it's that. like... I, I mean, it makes sense with, like, the dwarves when it's like, oh, yeah, like, like Thorin and, and Thrain and, like, there's a, when there's a legacy in the sound of the name. But when it's, like, the ba- the big bad evil guy and then the secondary less evil guy who also used to be a good guy and is, like, Gandalf's, like, friend or something, that's that's a little different. I think those are two very different characters who have no connection other than one of them corrupted the other. Um, so it's, uh, it's weird. It's just weird. Yeah. I mean, I still think that's true, but, um, just going off of what we were talking about, uh, with Saruman's tower as a copy of Sauron's, I do, I do kind of feel like maybe there's something there to the idea that like Saruman himself, you know, kind of makes himself that that same pale imitation in the end and so it's like in the end yes but i don't think the name i think he started with the name saruman oh yeah no i mean of course he was like born that way but um like when you when you consider what was tolkien's reasoning behind giving saruman such a similar name which you have to imagine he would have been aware of as the person who named him i i think it's a good reason as any uh you know, I'm, I'm not saying that that means as a reader, it feels like it works 100%. But this chapter does make me think about like, oh, like, that's probably what he was considering as the author. And I, I th- think that's interesting. You're probably right. Yeah. So I'll be interested to see what the deal is with Saruman in the coming chapters. I mean, here we are at Isengard. It's like, what's next? You know? Yeah. Uh, well, the next two chapters, there's 35 pages in my copy for the next two chapters. So less reading, but don't put it off to the last second again. Right. Um, and uh, uh, one of the chapters is called The Voice of Saruman. So we might hear him speak, presumably. Hmm. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Stop, Nova. Anything else we want to mention? Or are we done here, boys? I think I said all I needed to say about these chapters. To bring it back to uh, Star Wars, as always. Yes, please do. You know, Snoke is like Saruman. Palpatine is like Sauron. (laughs) Right? Even came back from the dead and everything. I think think Saruman's more of a Darth Vader analogy. He he used to be the good guy. And then uh, he he got corrupted by the big bad evil no, guy. No, he's a he's a he's a bad imitation. Isn't that pretty much what the point of Snoke? I you know I I have to say uh, between the two options, I'm more inclined to side with Connor here. All right. I mean, he's not even wearing a cool mask. You know, he's nothing like Vader. Um. Anyways, yeah, that's it for me though. Cool. I'm really glad you chimed in with that at the end. Yes. <laughs> All right, take us away, Connor. So if you want to uh, keep up with our extracurriculars at patreon.com slash chapter jumps, we are having a lot of fun over there with all of our many patrons. We're having a blast, so get on, get in on the fun while you still can. Limited spots left. Uh, you can email us at chapterjumpspod um, at gmail.com. 
You can follow us on social media at Chapter Chumps on both Twitter and Instagram. Sometimes we post uh, about the podcast, too, which is exciting. Uh, but until next time. Uh, uh, I'm Connor McElvain, and uh, um, I'm a big message. dummy. <laughs> That's what he sounds like. Got him. It's true.